Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Like you. People who have opinions and aren't afraid to share them. Just like you. People who love all forms of motorsport. Just like you. At the track. On the radio. Online. Go to RadioLeMond.com and click on the forum button. RadioLeMond.com. The Nismo Countdown to Green. On RadioLeMond.com. With Nismo. Eat, sleep, race, repeat. Eat, sleep, race, repeat. How we got to do it now? The World Endurance Championship for 2015 is heading towards the end of the season and we are here in Bahrain. Well, we're not, we're in London, but we're about to witness the six hours of Bahrain at the international circuit. Principally going to be all in darkness, but so well floodlit is this venue that might as well be the daytime let's face it but it's a, a fascinating end to the season thankfully we do have a championship battle to look forward to probably going to go to Porsche but Audi are still going to be fighting as hard as they can to try and get another title but it's the 17 car that is still in this sort of unbreakable stranglehold of the championship another pole position for the 17 car Timo Bernhardt, Mark Webber and Brendan Hartley who will start at the front of the grid. Welcome to RadioLeMond.com's coverage of the final round of the World Endurance Championship. It's Johnny Palmer, Bruce Jones and Paul Truswell to take you through the event. And let's welcome, first of all, Bruce Jones. Welcome back because we didn't have you for the Shanghai coverage. I've been away. I was doing yeah. Super GT coverage, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed as well. I really do enjoy chopping and changing between the championships. but uh, So I had to watch and listen to it all after the event and uh, one thing I'm really looking forward to and I guess the drivers will be as well is a dry circuit because clearly we've had an awful lot of precipitation in the WEC this year uh, most notably last time around almost reminded me of uh, the Circuit of the Americas race at the end of last year which was uh, suitable for boats rather than cars but I believe that Paul Truswell thinks I might be wrong there could even be a little precipitation on the way in Bahrain oh but this is an opportune moment to bring in the third voice of our broadcast, Paul Truswell. Uh, yes, we haven't been blessed with the greatest of weather throughout 2015. And you think that the uh, a little bit of precipitation may well intervene over the next six hours? To, to be honest, no, I don't. Okay. Um, I, and obviously, as I say, we're not actually there, so we can't actually uh, sort of look into the skies. But uh, from speaking with those who are all are there and have been looking up into the skies, there have been some uh, fairly heavy clouds around and uh, just a hint of a storm um, around, but not today. Uh, I think today is going to be um, bright and sunny, just looking at my... Uh, um, weather forecast here for the next uh, six hours, seven hours. Um, we're going to have uh, dry track, sunny skies, temperatures uh, at the moment around 24 uh, and dipping down not very much. I did at one point think that the temperature change over the six hours as the race goes into darkness uh, might be an impact. But uh, I think, as I say, it's 24 degrees at the moment and going down to around about 21 degrees um, 
by the end of the race. Track temperature, that could be an issue. It's up at 34 degrees C is the track temperature at the moment. Um, and of course, that will go down as the sun um, stops going down on the track. Uh, and it's a very high abrasive circuit at Bahrain. Uh, and also a lot of sand gets blown onto the circuit. So uh, tire wear could be an issue, but we'll, uh, we'll see what happens on, on that one uh, as the race progresses. Johnny, I'm looking forward to it. So are we, absolutely. The grid at the moment, very, very busy indeed. We are in daylight as we stand because uh, local time in the UK is 11.30, just gone. It is 2.30 in the afternoon because uh, Bahrain just three hours ahead of us at this time of year. Bruce. Obviously, day goes tonight and the sun will be setting. It will also be setting on the career of Alexander Wurtz, one of the great statesmen of the sport. He's actually just being interviewed down on the grid at the moment. Uh, 41 years old, has done so much. But I remember him right back from his early days in, in Formula Ford when he came over to the UK. And even then, he was a gentleman. He bought a bag of donuts and handed them round as we stood watching the cars go round Paddock Hill Bend. You look at what he's achieved over the years. But uh, the good thing we know about Alexander Wurtz, he's not finished with motorsport yet. He'll be coming back in some sort of role. He's been linked with the uh, Manor F1 team for next year. I hear that's a load of hokum. But uh, in some measure or other, he'll be still with us at the circuits next year. So those famous blue and red uh, racing boots he's worn ever since uh, way back when, when they gave him some good luck, uh, will be consigned to the shelf. But uh, we'll see what role he picks up next year. But many years, obviously, in Formula One, but uh, for the World Endurance Championship as well, with Peugeot for a number of seasons, then moved on to Toyota, and a, a wonderful year for Toyota last year, although he wasn't the cha- in the championship-winning car. Is this a sort of bitter, sour end to, to end his career, do you think, in that Toyota just it hasn't happened for them this year? I mean, it would be lovely if, if Toyota was as competitive as it had been last year when uh, the sister car wrapped up the title he'd of course like to have had one more visit to the podium who knows it could come today but it yeah. does does require a couple of other cars to drop out whether it's a couple of audis or a couple of porsches but uh, anyhow he'll be there and wouldn't it be a fairy tale but i don't think alexander he's a very realistic guy he hasn't always been with the best team at the best time uh so he'll know a victory a podium is very unlikely but uh, he will certainly be roundly greeted by everyone the length of the paddock because away from all his racing achievements he is an absolutely fantastic gentleman and uh, that really has stood out ever since the start of his career I, I agree. Uh, I agree, Bruce. And um, it was quite interesting in um, his press release when he um, announced his retirement that uh, he specifically noted the Le Mans in 2013, uh, 2014, wasn't it, when the car was leading, uh, the Toyota was leading. Um, and by all that's right, he, he should have won that race. I mean, the car just uh, uh, broke down with an electrical problem, electrical fire out on the circuit, wasn't able to be brought back. Um, but he said then that that really affected him. And whereas in the past when he'd had problems, he'd used them um, in a positive way to make him stronger, to make um, to make him uh, better and to learn from those things. Um, but uh, he said on that occasion, he kind of felt, oh, that really was uh, a bit of a hammer blow for him. And having won Le Mans, he was the youngest ever Le Mans winner, um, so, you know, he's kind of got that feather in his cap. But as I say, I think that really did kind of bring it home to him. And you're right, he is kind of bowing out, um, not necessarily at the top of his game, but or the top of the, the team's game. I think he's probably at the top of his game, but the, the team uh, not at the top of its game. But then that's a good way to do it because you don't have any regrets about it. You, otherwise, there is a tendency you're sort of going, oh, I'll just stay on for one more year. Um, and I think, uh, you know, 
a tribute to to Alex Wirtz and uh, and everything that uh, you know he's done um, for sports car racing and uh, for motor racing in general. He did rather make Le Mans look easy, to winning on his on his debut there, and then when uh, later when he came back to sports car racing, winning at his third attempt as well. So he certainly made a nonsense, but again huge amount of intelligence with Alex Wurtz and I'm sure you know there isn't a better environment for him than sports car racing he's getting to lead off to the not lead the field but he'd be the first one in the number number two Toyota uh, when we go to the start of the race so that'll be great for him that'll be the last time he gets to start a race let's hope he can keep it clean that's certainly been the history of his career keeping it clean so two Toyotas in the race but it won't be, we don't expect it to be about those two winning this event because Porsche, again, have uh, thrown down a marker to their uh, fellow German um, opponents, Audi, because uh, it's another pole position for the 17 car. And it is the Porsches that lead the championship on, well, one Porsche on 155 points. That's the 17 of Timo Bernhardt, Mark Webber and Brendan Hartley. And then 12 points further back, the number seven Audi of Andre Lotter, Marcel Fessler and Benoit Trelluet. And then on 113 and a half points is the second Porsche, Mark Lieb, Roman Dumas and Neil Yarny. So a championship to be decided it's the 17s to throw away, though, surely. Absolutely so. Sitting, sitting on that pole position, and we know with the pace of the car that it's there. They've just got to keep it clean, keep it tidy. There is the question mark, and we'll come back to Paul about this, how many stops the Porsches, the Audis, the Toyotas think they're going to have to make if the race is run clean. And Audi's put up his hand this morning and suggested it might have to make one more than the opposition. Right or wrong? What's your thoughts on that, Paul? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Um, like like um, a lot of people, I kind of do the calculations before. Um, and it depends a little bit how many laps per stint. Um, I think Audi will be able to do 30 laps per stint. Uh, Audi themselves say they can only do 29 laps on a tank full of fuel. Now, the problem is, because we get two formation laps before the start of the race, that uses fuel. So we don't really get a full proper stint until the second stint of the race. Um, but if certainly if Audi is coming in after 27 laps uh, or even 28 laps at the beginning, then um, that may indicate that Audi's fuel consumption is a little bit higher. We know anyway that they can't go as far on tank full as Porsche can because Porsche actually gets a larger energy allocation because they run in a higher uh, megajoule category. Porsche will certainly be able to do 30, probably be able to do 31 laps on their tank full. Um, the problem for Audi, as I say, if they can only do 29 laps and we have a full course yellow free race, in other words, no interruptions, uh, no delays, then Audi is looking at an extra stop for a splash of fuel towards the end of the race. But uh, we'll see how that pans out. Um, but for sure, as ever at uh, endurance races, um, the tactics very critical and it'll be interesting to see, as I say. Um, but certainly Audi a little bit on the back foot. Porsche with what seems to be a slightly faster car, uh, with a car that can do a slightly longer range. Um, and from what we've been seeing in the last couple of races, it's also a little bit easier on its tyres. Um, and doing a full stint on a set of tyres here at Bahrain does seem to be an issue for them. Uh, certainly last year, there was a lot of drop-off during the stint that if you uh, can look after the tyres at the beginning of the stint, that will stand you in very good stead for the rest uh, of the stint. 
Now, at the moment, the cars are all lined up on the start and finish line in echelon formation. So the rear quarter, rear right quarter nearest the wall and all the drivers and some of the crew, I think, are all lined up in a long, long line from the start, start and finish line itself all the way to the back of the grid. This is for two reasons. Fairly obviously, with all sporting events recently um, commemorating or respecting the events of eight days ago in Paris when 132 people were massacred in the atrocities. So I think a minute silence taking place for that, but also less obviously for Tim Gibson, who worked with Dunlop from 2011 until he passed away last Friday, initially as an event-based engineer and latterly as a full-time member of the team. Tim had a heart transplant at the age of 15 and last month celebrated having his new heart longer than his original and hoped that it would last at least the same again. It was not to be with his heart failing suddenly on Friday while he was in Harefield Hospital. And Tim filled all his too short life as a racer himself and as part of the transplant community taking part in the transplant games. So for two very serious reasons, the event is just brought to a, a poignant pause. Andre Lotra, Marcel Fessler and Benoit Trelluet stood there. The Eiffel Tower as well emblazoned on many cars. Now there is a round of applause. So many Frenchmen, of course, in this event. And I mean, the heart and soul of sports car racing trace back to France and the very first Le Mans 24 hours in 1923. So the crowd now disperses after an impeccably observed minute silence. And we can go racing, Bruce. We can, and for the Ferrari 458 Italia, this is its last outing in the World Endurance Championship. All change for next year with the 488 coming in, but by golly, it's been quite a car, Johnny. Yeah, superb. I mean, it, it's been f fascinating to watch uh, the, the Porsche last year uh, in its first year, Mission Our Return. <laughs> and then they started winning and winning and winning. And this could be, if they win this weekend in Bahrain, that will be five wins on the trot. Uh, for the 17 car, it was retirement, if you remember, at Silverstone. But it's never been on the, off the podium since. A third place at Spa, second place at Le Mans, and then win, 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 win. And along the way, I make it four pole positions, five if you include this weekend. Yeah, and three to the sister car, the Dumas-Yani yeah. Lieb car. But therefore, eight rounds, eight Porsche pole positions. So that's uh, And it's not just achieving the pole position, it's getting there to the end of the race. And as you can see, four wins on the trot for Porsche. And most importantly, all for the number 17 car. The Bahraini band is just uh, playing out on the grid. The sky is blue. The weather conditions absolutely fantastic. And certainly for those of us driving around uh, southern England or anywhere in England today, uh, snow flurries. So it seems very welcome to look at that uh, in environment over there in Bahrain. And certainly in comparison to the, the last outing uh, where it was so wet in China, this is a, a greatly different environment to go racing. Quite interesting. Sorry, go on, Paul. Yeah, just, just uh, picking up what uh, Bruce was saying about uh, Porsche's performance towards the second half of the year. Um, it was quite interesting. I was talking to some somebody from Porsche, uh, and they were talking about the number of problems that they'd had early on in the year. And um, indeed, the fact that they hadn't run a 24-hour test without any difficulties um, before the uh, actual 24 hours at Le Mans. But he said it's like one of those Russian dolls where you, you find a problem, you open it up, you 
get to the bottom of it, you fix it, and then you open another one and uh, you get to the bottom of that and you fix it. Uh, and sooner or later, you just know that you fixed all the problems. And Porsche seems to have just got to the point where they fixed all the problems. And, and when they have had minor little niggles in the races post Le Mans, um, they've always been such minor niggles and they've always had a pace advantage that they've been able to overcome uh, those problems. I mean, you'll remember that they've had various penalties which they've had to come in and serve. Um, and on each of those occasions when they've had a little problem, they've been able to get back into uh, a position where it's not just been a, a win and points for the number 17 car, but the number 18 car has been stealing points away from the best of the Audis um, by finishing in second place. So uh, it's it's been a remarkable second part of the 2015 season but of course 2016 is just around the corner and what's that going to bring um i'm kind of in two minds looking forward to this race one is i think it's going to be an interesting race because six hour races are always fascinating but the other is the kind of the swan song for this age of car i mean you have a generation every year these days but swan song for this part of the uh cars and then next year we're going to have new cars coming along um and that will kind of shake all the dice and all the variables up again it's uh, quarter to the hour, so only 15 minutes to go before the final race of the year, the six hours of Bahrain. I think this is an opportune time to take a look at the grid that was decided yesterday. So, as we mentioned, it is a fifth pole position of the season for the number 17 Porsche. And it'll be Timo Bernhardt to start the car in the 17 machine from the front of the grid, sharing, of course, with Brendan Hartley and Mark Webber. So Bernhardt to start alongside the sister car, the number 18 Porsche 919 hybrid of Roman Dumas. So 17 and 18 on the front row. Then it's the two Audis, the seven ahead of the eight. Third and fourth, Marcel Fessler starts the seven and Lucas Degrassi in the number eight car. All Toyota third row, Sebastian Buemi in the number one car is fifth. And Alexander Wurtz in the number two car will start in sixth position. Alexandra Imperatori in the number 13 Rebellion Racing car, the best of the LMP1 privateer runners. He starts alongside the sister car of Matthias Besch. So it's 13 and 12 on the fourth row. The fifth row is the number 14 by Carlos CLM, Pierre Caffer to start in just a two driver lineup for the number four car alongside the uh, best of the LMP2 machine, Sinitech Alpine, having a wonderful end to the season. And the 36 car after victory last time out, Tom Dillman will start that car from pole position. Just ahead of in 11th place, the number 26 G Drive Racing Ligier, Sam Bird to start that alongside the championship rival of number 26, the 47 car, the Orica 05 of KCMG, Nick Tandy is to start that car from 12th position. Onto the seventh row, cars 28 and 43. That's another from G-Drive, Pipo Durrani, to start the 28 car alongside Ollie Webb in the Team Saad Morand, number 43. The eighth row, Ryan Dial and uh, Nicola Manassian for Extreme Speed Motorsports and AF Racing, respectively. So the 30 and 44 cars. On the ninth row, it's Stracker Racing and their Gibson 015S, number 42, Johnny Kane to start it, alongside number 31, Johannes van Overbeck, again for ESM, car 31. The 10th row, the first of the GTs and GT Pro, Tony Verlander sharing with Jimmy Bruni, 
they get pole position in the AF Corsa Ferrari alongside the number 95 car of Nicky Team. An adjustment to the balance of performance for Aston Martins this weekend, so the 95 car could well go very nicely. We didn't see that at Shanghai, remember. The 11th row, 99 and 92, that's Aston Martin versus Porsche, Alex McDowell and Patrick Pile. 12th row is Aston and Porsche again, this time Johnny Adam in the 97, Michael Christensen in the 91. The 13th row, Pedro Lamy in the number 98 car, that's a, a GT Amateur machine, another Aston, alongside the 50 car of Paolo Roberti, the Chevrolet Corvette. The 14th row, SMP Racing's Ferrari, Andrea Bertolini to start that, Emmanuel Collard in the 83 starts alongside. 15th row, 77 and 96, that being Patrick Long in the Dempsey Proton Porsche, alongside Stuart Hall in his Aston Martin. And the final row, number 16, 71 and 88 sit there. James Collado put to the back of the grid. I think Bruce has found out why, and he'll start alongside Khaled Alkabizi, who's done the whole season for the 88 Abu Dhabi Proton Racing crew. Exceeding track limits on several occasions, unfortunately, for James Collado. So they should have lined up 20th on the grid on the outside of row 10, but sadly right at the very back. And also the KCMG Orica put back one position because Nick Tandy was found to have uh, run a little wide just the once but once too many and of course for the poor runners in the, the GT session when they went out the lights around the circuit failed and uh, for some of the drivers they went out it takes a few corners before they realize hold on something is a bit different they immediately think it's them then they realized that was a little hiccup they came back in but it certainly rather upset the plans you know you're the driver you've got the tires up to the right temperature you're about to go for your time and then you're interrupted and start all over again. No such problems at the moment. Clear, still daylight at Bahrain, but night comes in very quickly in this part of the world. So the Porsche on the front row, 17 and 18, and the 17 car. Timo Bernhardt will start that. Mark Webber and Brendan Hartley, the teammates, they need to finish fourth. That is all they require this afternoon to uh, stay at the very top of the pile to be the 2015 top-class champions. Another battle we'll be uh, keenly keeping our eyes on, though, is that within the FIA Endurance Trophy for LMP2 teams. G-Drive Racing currently top the table in car 26 on 153 points. Uh, they've had a wonderful run. Uh, well, from Le Mans to this point, never been lower than second position, the number 26 car. And KCMG, with a relatively controversial retirement in Fuji, still needing to recover from that. 137 points for KCMG but you get 25 for a win. And 18 for second. So as long as they finish first or second, Bird Canal, Rusinov. Well, obviously if they finish first, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but the fly in the ointment will be Sinjatek Alpine, having taken pole position. And we know they can win because they had a wonderful run at Shanghai last time out. Yes, and Tom Dillman's really showing his class in that car. He's really picked it up. And he might have timed his run perfectly, enjoyed it, as the, the team has really found some great mm. tweaks. But you look at Tom's record over the years, and he's been very quick at a very high level for a long time. And uh, I think he's really coming home and making his point here. Into um, GT Pro. And I don't think... I, I came out with this stat last time when we, when uh, Paul and I did Shanghai. Ferrari have only have been the only winners in all of World Endurance Championship history in terms of the championship, I believe. They could be on course for another one uh, this weekend with Jimmy Bruni and Tony Vlander. Vlander did a, just a, a bonkers stint last time out. He stayed in the car for very nearly four and a half hours before giving it over to Jimmy. He, he does make you look at your watch quite a lot and do some take your shoes and socks off to do a little little bit of arithmetic and try and work it out. You think, hold on, how come he's doing it so differently? But he even has the indecency to get out and look as though he's only just got into the car. That's a remarkable <laughs> thing. He is so at tune 
with driving these 458 Italias. I mean, he's going to have we... to up his game next year. He's got a new car to drive. But, no, he, he's just absolutely supreme in this class of racing. But it's not likely to be his championship. Go ahead, Paul. Have we mentioned, yes, that uh, the Aston Martins have had an adjustment to their balance of performance? I did join the grid, but not right. not and sort of to any detail. So put so some flesh on the bones. Well, yes, what it means is that they're running now pretty much the same as uh, the cars were running at uh, Le Mans uh, in terms of the way that the performance has been balanced back. So um, Aston, uh, with the potential of being back on the pace, and in fact, uh, second and third in the GTE Pro grid ahead of both of the uh, Team Manti Porsches. Uh, however, there is another hiccup uh, flying the ointment for the number 99 car. Uh, that's going to have to serve a three-minute and go penalty in the uh, first hour of the race um, because they use too many tyres during the free practice sessions. Tyre use is limited, um, although uh, it's limited for free practice. You have a certain tyre allocation, and then there is a separate allocation which starts for qualifying in the race, um, and they have six sets of tyres for the GTE Pro cars and the GTE AM cars that they're allowed to use uh, during qualifying in the race. But during the free practice, they overused their allocation um, and the organisers uh, only spotted it when they kind of went through all the paperwork afterwards. Um, whether or not Aston knew about it and were trying to pull the wool, or whether it was a genuine mistake, I don't know. Um, but anyway, it does mean that the number 95, uh, sorry, the number 99 car, the McDowell, Fernando Reese and Richie Stanaway car, uh, which is going to be started by uh, Alex McDowell, uh, is going to have to come in and serve a three-minute stop-and-go penalty, and that's going to put it the best part of two laps behind before it's even started. So what you can say is what they gained in the balance of performance readjustment, they've more than lost in the um, who can count up to 20 yeah, <laughs> competition. Like that, yeah. uh, nearing the end of our Nismo countdown to green coverage, it'll be the race next, of course, but we haven't yet mentioned the FIA Endurance Trophy for LMGTE amateur teams. SMP racing with their Ferrari leading the way, and by some margin, 19 points. 155 plays 136. That's the AF Corsa entered 458. It's going to be a Ferrari that wins that class, as far as the teams are concerned, and it's probably going to be the Russian squad. Well, they'd have to fall over or drive the whole race in reverse, really. They've just got to keep out of trouble, because Aguash, Collard, Perodo, with no disrespect, are not the same calibre lineup as uh, Basov, Bertolini and Shaitar, who really haven't put a foot wrong. And watching Shaitar's progress through this, this season, I've been really, really impressed. It's not often you see a driver who really just seems to be raising his standard almost by the race. So for Victor Shaitar, definitely rising to be one of the very best of the Russian stable of drivers. It has been Rui Aguash for the pr predominantly the whole season, but Matteo Cressoni comes into the squad, I believe, this weekend for the number 83 to join Emmanuel Collard and Francois Perodo being interested to see how Mattia gets on this weekend with a lot of European Le Mans series experience but uh, a new name in the 83 squad the green flag is waving at Sakir in Bahrain ahead of the six hours uh, of Bahrain for the final round of the World Endurance Championship for 2015 thank you for joining us for the Nismo countdown to green on RadioLeMond.com though Paul Truswell, Bruce Jones and myself Johnny Palmer were taking you through it it'll be the race next and we can't wait this programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.